Hello and welcome back to episode 35 of Double Reel. This is the third part of our monthly magazine podcast for the discerning film nerd. Hopefully you've caught up with the first two parts which came out in the past couple of weeks. If not, please do go back to your app, download them and have a listen. Part 1 is Double Reel Monthly with news, reviews of new releases Cocaine Bear, Creed 3 and Luther Fallen Son, my monthly David Cronenberg film which was The Brood and James's look at a Nick Cage film picked at random. Part 2 is our regular features including our classics and recommended feature Michael Clayton, our hidden gem After Hours, our one that got away about Steven Spielberg's Night Skies and a remake hate watch of Roald Dahl's The Witches. Now in our final part for this month we give you the big conversation where we talk about a topic from the film world in more detail. First of all, a very warm welcome back to my co-host, James Adamson. Welcome, James. Thank you very much. Let's get into it. So we're talking about the Oscars today because the Oscar ceremony happened, I guess, 10 days ago. It's the big event this time of year. We do sort of cover award season. We do our own little, uh, you know, funny little uh, award ceremony. It's the only award ceremony where one of the awards is handed out and, in fact, chosen by dogs. Uh, there is no other award in the world uh, in the film world that does that. That's our unique selling point. Um, some some of our awards are going to be slightly different because we go calendar year UK release. So some films that we talked about were from the previous year in America and some of the films that we that get talked about here didn't come out until 2023. So it doesn't completely line up, but the Oscars itself is a big event, maybe not as big as it used to be. So we're kind of going to talk about the ceremony, how it went, how it compared to last year and so on, and then what we thought of the awards and everything else. Um, so, James, have you have you caught up with the ceremony itself or seen highlights or seen any sort of videos or bits and bobs of it or anything like I've that? Watched, like, I've watched like the kind of main highlights for Brendan Fraser's speech and... Um, I don't know how to pronounce his name, and I don't want to butcher it, but uh, the best supporting actor, Kei Kwan. Uh, yeah, Kei Kwan, I think, is how you pronounce Kei Kwan. Yeah. Very emotional speeches, and then Michelle Yeoh. Um, I watched like, the big ones, but Oscar speeches are a bit boring nowadays because they've, they've, you know, they get kind of they get timed and they have to kind of cram everything in. So it's kind of like I want to thank all these people. Thank you very much. It's amazing. Blah 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 blah, blah and then that's that's it. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's, unless it's, it's like the big ones. Yeah, there's pluses and minuses to that. I mean, I remember um, when Joaquin Phoenix gave his speech uh, for winning uh, for Joker, he he, he he clearly had a prepared and, and, you know, carefully worded and quite kind of scathing statement about, yeah, it's, I'm glad I've won, but I want to take this opportunity to say it's about time more people got an opportunity and diversity and stuff. And it's like, well, fair play to you using your platform at that point. And then that was fine. It, look, the guy, he's an actor. He knows how to deliver words, right? And he gave a very good speech. But the fun part of that was when Renny Zellweger won the same night for um, uh, Judy. It's almost as if she felt like, well, bloody Joaquin gave this really sort of important speech. What am I going to say? And she almost decided off the cuff to make some sort of speech of her own. And it just rambled off into this fucking weird shit. And I was like, oh, this is brilliant. She's got no idea what she's talking about. And you don't get those moments unless there's a bit of like freedom on the night. The reality is, though, there was not going to be much freedom on the night of this ceremony because of what happened last year. This is what it, this is what it comes down to, right? We were saying it would be quite funny if Chris Rock came out to give out an award wearing, um, you know, a sparring, you know, sparring head head, you know, protector. Um, as as it was, as it, as it happened, there were still lots of references. I don't know if you've seen Jimmy Kimmel's opening monologue. Yeah, he, he says that if you do slap anyone, you'll be presented with the best actor in a leading role. And, and be allowed to give a nine-minute speech and get a standing ovation, all this sort of thing. And he says, if you, you know... Yeah. I mean, because what, what do they do? I mean, they brought back a, a host, Jimmy Kimmel. You know, I think a couple of you know, previous years of this, we'll just bring people on to give out an award. They've 
they've been burned with awards before where like they've said you know this guy's going to present the awards I think Kevin Hart fell foul of it and then someone went through his Twitter and or his old Netflix specials and found some you know some jokes and comments that people didn't like and that you said oh well I'm not, I'm not doing it then I don't I don't want to take the focus away from the awards they they felt like Jimmy Kimmel was a safe pair of hands I mean he's on telly every night on, on American Network TV so they just felt like he was a safe pair of hands to kind of give you know yeah. to, and, he's, and he did it before and he was and he was fine um, no no not Billy Crystal level but fine um, and they had a crisis team, you know, that basically had people standing by in case anyone else stormed the stage, which is like, that's not going to happen this year, right? But they had a crisis team standing by. Imagine. It's like, it's like after two bad winters, all of Britain's airports got, um, like more gritting machines and more kind of anti-snow measures than Oslo airport has. And there hasn't been like a, 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 a snowy winter since. It's like totally after the horses bolted. Well... A bit of a fucking side note. You say that, and we got all the salt and grit, but I wanted a table delivered two weeks ago, and they couldn't because of the adverse weather conditions. You so, you should, fuck you, Oslo. You should have had it um, delivered to uh, to the airport. They would have been fine. There's no snow there. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... But what what it meant was is that the, the ceremony was like very, very carefully controlled. Jimmy Kimmel made lots of comments re- regarding it. He... But it was all very safe. I mean, Jimmy Kimmel has good banter. He, he revived his old kind of having his little digs at Matt Damon because the two of them have got this like running joke all these years. But it's it's fine and it's very entertaining, but it's completely kind of um, safe and unthreatening. It's like Oscars just when we don't want any incidents this year. That, that That's essentially what it was. Um, yeah. So it was very controlled. Everything was very well behaved and everything else. Um, in terms of... Uh, I did ask for some comments on the socials about this, what people thought of the Oscars or, you know, ahead of time, what they thought was going to happen. Um, James, not either of us, a different one, said, it was a pretty tame Oscars night compared to last year. The worst incident was that singer's ridiculous headgear blocking the view of everyone behind her. Did you see that? Who is this? Um, her name is Thames. I'm not going to pretend that I am up to date. Uh, all you're of not, you're not going to pretend that you don't know <laughs> You know, I thought Thames was a, a, like a pain-killing machine for like pregnant mothers. But the uh, whatever, whatever, and that could be that could be that I've got a name wrong and written down a word that I know, right? So, but anyway, she's a singer. She was at the Grammys recently, and she had this incredible piece of headgear that basically blocked the view of about five people behind her, which. That was about the biggest incident at the Oscars. So, James, our, our, our listener called it out. Corey says the viewing figures will be down next year uh, when there's no slap, there's no viewers. Uh, Anthony, though, said uh, better viewing figures than before because there were films nominated that people cared about. Going back to having a big name host and the big stories around some of the nominees, like Kehu Kwan and Jamie Lee Curtis. And that's probably one of the other things about the night. So there was a bit of a narrative. There were a lot of people going, wow, we're finally getting recognised, Asian-Americans. Or Jamie Lee Curtis going, wow, I'm finally getting recognised. She's been a stalwart of Hollywood, but she's never done the kind of films that get recognition. Um, you know, imagine getting an Oscar nomination for Best Actress for Halloween. Never going to happen, you know, in 1978. Probably not going to happen now. Um, who else? Uh Kevin says, got to agree, disagree with some of the voting choices. Why does Jamie Lee Curtis get this big nostalgia vote when Angela Bassett carried Black Panther 2 on her shoulders after the passing of Chadwick? And Batman went uh, 0 for 3. It definitely deserved to win something. And I totally agree with Kevin on that. I mean, we gave double real, we gave it three double real awards, including Best Picture. So it was, you know, three nominations for the Batman is pretty paltry. You know, it's, even if you're just going to look at the, um, the technical awards and to not win anything, you know, when we genuinely think it's... You know, one of the best films of last year. Um, but yeah, so 
as you can see, other people thought the same. Bit of a stodgy ceremony, but I think the main thing was... Do you remember when we were talking about the Oscars last year? There was so much discussion of Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. The fact that Jessica Chastain won Best Actress and to cap a... You know, was that last year? That was last year. And Jessica Chastain wins Best Actress, caps off a very, very successful career. She's one of those people where you think, yeah, she's going to win an Oscar one day. She does it. I mean, how many times does that even get fucking mentioned, right? So to be I, did, fair, I thought that was the year before, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the previous year was that... Um, it was basically the, the Oscars of films that nobody watched. It was the quiet Oscars. And I don't blame anyone, you know. Half the films that were meant to come out that year didn't come out because of COVID, so it's best, you know... No, 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 no I'm, I'm just saying that because all of those... Everything that was spoken about last year regards to the Oscars was Will Smith, so I couldn't tell you who won yeah. apart from Will yeah, Smith. Yeah. Like, I Completely. couldn't even tell you Best Picture from last year. Yeah, so at least... Like, unless I looked up off so, the top of my head, you know So what I mean? at, least, at least on the whole, people are talking about the awards and stuff, and that's really what it's meant to be about, even though, you know, uh, there's all this talk about, you know, the, the you know Academy Awards as, a, as an event. We'll probably talk about the ratings a bit later. Well, but in, ter- in terms of incidents or people talking about them, I don't know if you heard this. Um, there was a lot of discussion about, oh, this is a hell of a long running time. I mean, this is part of the problem for, like, a TV broadcast. It's like... How how many hours should we give to a film award show? It's not the films; it's awards for the films, right? Um, and but even so, right? They actually gave up quite a lot of time for Disney to do a slot because I think Disney are like a hundred or like Disney's like uh, like live action studios or something is like a hundred years old this year, so they weren't allowed to give a little light talk on, on during the ceremony. But they used up their time to just do a really long extended trailer for Little Mermaid. And they actually showed a trailer of Little Mermaid. Two people came on, gave a speech, and then they showed a long trailer for Little Mermaid in the middle of the Oscars. What the fuck is that? This isn't during the ad break. This is during the ceremony, right? And uh, the other one was Warner Brothers is 100 years old, the studio. And they came on and gave a big promo and a, and a montage of all of their films. You just think, if you're struggling for running time, come on, guys. That is not the best use of, of, of the running time. I don't know what you think of shit like that. I, that's mental to me, um, but they, they must really want people to see that film. It didn't get mentioned at this side of the pond. I don't know if it was maybe it was edited out for UK TV or something. I don't know. I mean, I, whatever. Um, some fun moments. Um, have you heard about Hugh Grant on the red carpet? No, what did he do? Well, right. I mean, a lot of people are talking about the fact that it wasn't a red carpet this year. It was a champagne-coloured carpet. So, yeah, whatever. I mean, this is like... Uh, it's almost why? like why? Why did they change the color again? Like, what was the reason? I don't know. I think they're saying we're freshening things up, but they obviously don't want to freshen up anything too dramatic, right? Because this is the safe Oscars. But whatever. I mean, who cares? But on the red carpet, because that's what everyone's <laughs> going to call it. Um, they have loads of people, um, you know, hope you know, running with a microphone, running up to the people as they come in to try and badger them for 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 an interview. Some of those interviews are pre-arranged, and some of them like caught in headlights. Oh shit! Here's someone with a microphone. I better say something. Hugh Grant was the latter, and it was some influencer called Ashley. She's on Instagram, and they decided e, the E Channel decided to give her a, a slot interviewing people. And uh, she goes up to Hugh Grant, who's a bit of a prickly and sarcastic character anyway. And she goes up to says, "What do you think of the Oscars? What do you think of the night?" And he's like, "Uh, oh, it's great. I mean, you know, look at all the people. All human life is here. It's you know very very exciting. It's like Vanity Fair." And he meant uh. Vanity Fair, the book, right? Because he's posh and, you know, went to Oxford and reads, you know, reads old books. And she goes, oh, Vanity Fair, they have the best after party or something like that. Because Vanity Fair is a magazine and they have a party at the Oscars. And there's just this moment where he looks at her and he goes, all oh, right, okay. And he decides to just be an absolute dick for the rest of the interview. 
<laughs> and she goes, she goes, um, what are you wearing? And he goes, my suit. You know, normally you're meant to say it's Louis. Whatever, oh. right? it's, what are you wearing? My suit. And she goes, no, who made it? It's my tailor. Um, <laughs> she says, oh, wasn't it great to be part oh, of Glass Onion? Oh, man. And she says, wasn't it great to be part of Glass Onion? He goes, how many in it for two minutes? Oh, but did you have a good time on set? He goes, almost. And she sort of pauses so that you can see her die a little inside. And she goes, thanks very much, Hugh Grant. That's all we've got time for. And you just think, everyone's like calling you out and going, look... On, on a night so free of incident, you've got to cherish what you what you can get, right? So Hugh Grant kind of that wouldn't have made headlines last year, right? Um, the other bit that was quite fun was that Elizabeth Banks uh, handed out an award, the award for visual effects, uh, with the cocaine bear on stage. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and, and basically, it was a guy in a cocaine bear costume. There's a few. I mean, if you talk a picture on this, um, in her speech, she says, "If it wasn't for visual effects, this is what we'd have had to use for the film." And a lot of people said, well, that would have looked better than the CGI bear that was in the film. But Oh, dear. Also, I don't think the CGI bear was that bad in the film anyway. But actually, I, I think a bloke in a bear suit would have been quite funny in Cocaine Bear. I think that, personally, I think that would have been a really funny way to go. Do you remember the TV show Bear in a Big Blue House? Yes. Big singing bear. That's what the bear should look like in Cocaine Bear. You know, there's someone like overlaid a video of a bear in a big blue house and, and they've just soundtracked it with like proper explicit language gangster rap, right? And it's like this. Challenge. No, no, I've shown you this. It's not. It's it's Melbourne. Yeah. It's the Melbourne sound track. And yeah. <laughs> See that? Hear the beat drop and fucking lose it. Da, 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 that one. Yeah, that's what Cocaine Bear should do. But anyway, they had Cocaine Bear, and yeah. it was it was very funny actually. Elizabeth Banks was very good, um, even though she was losing her voice a little bit. And the Cocaine Bear mascot was really funny. You know, they were like whis- the, the Cocaine Bear was whispering in her ear, and she was, oh, and, and she was repeating what the Cocaine Bear had supposedly said. It was all really good. There was a lot of like football mascot energy from the uh, from the Cocaine Bear. Do you know how like whenever someone gets in a mascot costume for a sports event, they just behave a certain way? That's exactly what he was yes. doing at the Oscars. Later on, Jimmy Kimmel's doing this bit where he's walking through the crowd, like interviewing people just for little funny jokes, and the Cocaine Bear comes and sits down next to Malala, and <laughs> Malala's like, "Get this bear away from me!" Um, so that was quite fun. That was probably the most fun on the night, and I'm, I'm actually surprised that they agreed to do that because it meant people said cocaine about fifty times uh, on the on the live feed, and also because a, a bloke in a bear suit is going to potentially do something a bit cheeky. That that was quite fun. The other thing is the the ratings are up twelve percent on last year. I mean, I don't know whether you how much you think that is well, to do with Will Smith or. Of course, yeah. I think the reason the ratings were so low last year is that no one really blames them for Will Smith going up on like no one holds him account because Will Smith is yeah. going to walk up on stage, but it's the fact that he was allowed to stay afterwards. You know what I mean? So I think that's why the ratings were so. Yeah, last year. And I mean, obviously, the ratings are always going to be a little bit of a reaction to the previous year. So it's possible that the ratings were so low last year because the previous year's films had all been like the indie films that look. This only cost two pound fifty to make. Let's put it out. Whereas other people, apart from Nolan with Tenet, a lot of other people went, "No, we can't put this film out when you know when no one's going to the cinema. We're going to lose fucking. We're going to go bust. We've got to wait and actually make some money back from this film." So a lot of people looked at the films last year and went. Look, there's a couple of films I like here, but they're all just fucking indie, like little indie films. Where's the big movies? There were more big movies this year. Um, you know, Everything, Everything, All at Once wasn't a huge budget film, but it did make quite a lot of money at the box office. And Top Gun Maverick was big, and Avatar: The Way of Water was big. There was some, there was some quite, you know, it was more like a normal Oscar year, and I think that played a part in it. 
It's still among the lowest ratings in history. Um, it's like the third lowest, and it's much lower than the high watermark of 57 million viewers in 1997. But if I'm honest, there's a different there's a difference between TV viewing in 1997 and now. I mean, how much live, live TV do you watch? Oh, none. Like, I just don't watch live TV. Everything I watch is pretty much on-demand, like, streaming stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I do watch some, like, bits and pieces of TV, but, you know, not really as much as I used to. There's just more stuff on. There's just more, you know... Uh, I mean, I, I do have this habit. I do like to kind of flick the channels and see an old film is on and go, oh, shit, live and let die. Yeah, I'll watch that. But other than that, I don't watch nearly as much TV as I used to, and I'm not... I'm not fucking Gen Z either. I'm not at Gen Z anyway. People like me aren't watching as much telly. The next generation. The, so I, I don't think they should agonise so much over the over the ratings, to be honest, because everyone's ratings are down. Literally the only events, especially on American TV, where ratings are the same as 30 years ago or, or, or higher is Super Bowl. And the, the reason for that is... If, yeah, if, that's, yeah. that's the thing. is If you want to watch the Super Bowl, right, you've got to tune in, right? And if you record it and watch it later, you're going to have to kind of wear, you know, fucking earplugs so no one tells you the score. Do you know what I mean? So that's why the audience is so high for, you know, it's the biggest sporting event for the year if you like that sport. Other than that, everyone else's ratings is a fucking fraction of what they used to be. So they really need to stop agonising about that, if I'm honest. it's There's there's not as much viewing of regular TV as there used to be. You know, I, I didn't even watch these Oscars live because I'm in the fucking middle of the night. I recorded it and watched later. Um, so, whatever. Um any other stories from the Oscars? What, what what did you hear about that kind of you know caught you caught your eye? Um, well, obviously Michelle Yeoh winning is the first Asian woman to win. Yeah. Um, best actress, which is great. Um, yeah. You know, over taking its time, o hasn't o it? Overdue, but let's celebrate that it's happened. Yeah. Um, I thought the the nicest moment of the night for me was Brendan Fraser win, uh, winning. But the second nicest moment was when uh, Kehu Kwan. I want to make sure I'm saying that right because I forgot how to say it right away. Um, when he got and uh, him and Harrison Ford had a little hug, hug on stage. Thought that was really nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's um, been he's been like one of the stars of awards season, you know, because what what happens in awards season? A lot of the films get nominated for the same stuff. You know, um, Forrest Whitaker, right? Yeah, you know, yes. you know the actor Forrest Whitaker. He's got if you look yeah, on yeah, it, yeah. if you look on his IMDb, he's won 120 awards in his career. You think, yeah, that's a good hit, right? He's been around for about 40 years and he's a terrific actor. Yeah, 120 awards. 68 of those, or like more than half of those 120 awards anyway, are literally just for the, the Last King of Scotland. So they go from ceremony <laughs> to ceremony and win like loads of awards, like Venice, uh, Berlin, Silver Bear, all this sort of thing. So he's been at all the award shows and he's been because he's just such a nice guy and lively and fun and he goes up on stage and he's like excited to be there. He's like, he's been kind of the, you know, everybody's favourite guy basically for about the last kind of six months now. Um, yeah, um, what, what else has been interesting about this? People made, made uh, commentary about Tom Cruise and uh, James Cameron not turning up to the ceremony. No, I know Tom Cruise didn't show up because he couldn't be in the same room as Nicole Kidman, which is funny and petty. Um, but James Cameron didn't show up because... Well, there's. I, I think James Cameron simply didn't show up. He lives in New Zealand now and he doesn't really give a shit. <laughs> um, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you've got to kind of... You've got to kind of you can't kind of respect that, right? James Cameron goes, look, I'm not probably going to win any awards. He's already won Best Director back in the day. If he did win, I'm sure he'd give a nice speech and everything. But the fact is, is he makes Avatar in 2009, which makes two odd billion dollars. 
and I've heard people say I really liked Avatar. I haven't watched it since I watched it when it first came out. I'm I did go and see the second one. I really liked that as well, but I probably won't watch it again because it's like a it's like a big one-off experience. So he the way he operates is kind of completely independent of the rest of the film industry, so he doesn't need to show up. He's not being nasty or anything. He's just like, he's probably fucking filming something underwater right now. He just doesn't care. He's just doing other stuff. He does his own thing. And I think people don't mind. With Tom Cruise, people were sort of thinking, come on, you're nominated as a producer for, um, you know, Top Gun Maverick. Uh, you know, everyone's kind of saying you saved cinema last year. And the theory, yeah, the theories are, can he be in the same room as Nicole Kidman? There was other people talking. He, um, or one of the people saying he's not going to win anything and he doesn't want to turn up. And then kind of not win anything and be kind of, you know, look like he's gone away empty handed. Other people saying he, he likes to be in control, so he doesn't want to be in the room while the host or any of the awards like uh, people are, are like taking the piss out of him. But yeah, it seemed a bit like, come on, show up. You know, the guy's a the guy's a fucking billionaire and a proper movie star. And I, I mean, I, 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 a lot of people, I think, manage to leave aside the fact that they're not kind of super keen on some of what he does in his private life. And, and enjoy his films. It's like, come on, mate, put on some thick skin and kind of turn up, you know? People want to see the stars at the shows, but, yeah. There's no real... Oh, well. Yeah. yeah who the... cares? If, he doesn't, if he's going to be a child, he's going to be a child, isn't he? Yeah. So, something else that was interesting, and, and then maybe we'll kind of, we can sort of get onto the awards themselves. Um, the Studio A24 um, was responsible for the, the films that won all four of the acting awards. And that's so. The that's the wheel and everything, everything everywhere all at once, isn't it? Yeah, and they're also that's the first time that's happened since the nineteen fifties. Um, what? That's mental. And they are kind of regarded as going. They're a really interesting studio. They're not one of the big boys like Warner and um, uh, you know Paramount and stuff, but they seem to be making all the films people want to watch. I think Jordan Peele makes his films through A twenty four. I could have that wrong, but A twenty four are like the people who are making some of the more interesting and new films. And they had a really, really good Oscar campaign. You know, they turned up to all the parties and they seemed to be really like the coming studio. And unlike some of the oldest, you remember we talked about Carol Co. a couple of times on previous episodes because they, they seemed to be kind of elbowing their way to the top table with some big Barney and Stallone movies, but then they went bust. A24 seemed to be like, they're kind of con con continuing to operate like an indie, make more money than anyone else, make all the interesting films and win all the acting awards. So they've done really well. Um... Anything else? I mean, any any other thoughts about the, the the Oscars and the ceremony before we start looking at the awards? No, I think it being described as stodgy was yeah. probably it. It was pretty uneventful, which yeah. is probably what they wanted. Yeah, I don't I don't mind that. I mean, l later on, if you don't mind us to talk the awards, I would like to talk about you know the future of the Oscars. We talked about this before. There's a couple of things to talk about on that, um, but otherwise, um, I think it would be good to talk about the uh, the awards themselves. Um, so. Biggest winners on the night, Everything Everywhere All at Once won seven awards from 11 nominations. That's a pretty dominant performance. You don't get that very often. I think people are saying the last time someone was that dominant, the Oscars was probably uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, The Return of the King. The next biggest Did winner... Did Gravity not win that many? Oh, I'm trying to remember. Gravity won fucking loads. It won Best Director and pretty much all the um, the technicals, didn't it? Because it was Gra Gravity was quite an interesting film in that sense. Because apart from being like a, a you know a very good film, it sort of marked the end of like the credibility for like films that are all CGI. Because everyone went, come on, let's have some more practical effects. I want this to look a bit more real. Um, and and he probably killed like the 
in, in, and, and you know, rightly killed the CGI heavy. Um, Oscar ceremony. I'll, I may have to edit this later by the time I've uh, checked out the awards. Uh, Gravity won seven Oscars, yeah. Wow. So yeah, that is the most dominant performance uh, until this one. Yeah, so it won. Yeah, it was nominated for an absolute load. How many was it nominated for? One, two, three, four, five, six, ten. Nominated so, for ten. Nominated for ten and one, one seven. Yeah, um, yeah, that is that is a pretty dominant performance. So yeah, this is you know everything everything we want. Most dominant film since Gravity. I made heavy weather of that. Um, all quiet in the Western Front. I think that... Sorry, go ahead, mate. Sorry, I think what we see now is that no film will win more than about seven Oscars. So Mad Max won six. Um, La La Land won six. Yeah. And, Shape and, of Water only won four. And it's funny, isn't it? La La Land was sort of seen as being like the dominant film of the night, but it didn't win Best Picture. And uh, Mad Max Fury Road was dominant for winning all those Oscars, but it was none of the acting ones. It wasn't. It didn't win Best Picture. It didn't win... Um, it would have bloody fucking deserved to if you asked me your best director. Looking back, you look at, ask, ask yourself what the best directed film of that year was. Um, but because it was all the, you know, things like production design, costume design, and visual effects, they're sort of... Right, you're wrong. That's not seen as dominant as winning like several of the acting awards and the screenplay. Award. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I've just gone through the last ten there, and no one has won more than seven. And after um, Mad Max won six, you do find that the, it kind of goes down. So it goes to three or four. Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody won the most Oscars <laughs> that year, which Christ. is mental to me because that film is not a f- not the most Oscar winner of that year. So no, no, well, obviously it can be the shit Oscars, at best actor, and it can be best mustache kind of thing, you know yeah, that yeah. kind of. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought, I mean, we've talked, you know, we talked about this a previous like, when, we, when we talked about previous award shows and stuff. Is that that recently there seems to be a trend of like sharing the awards out a little bit. So this is a bit of an outlier that everything everywhere all at once won seven. I mean, no one else won more than four on the night. In fact. All Quiet in the Western World won four, and The Whale won two, and no other film on the night won more than one award. So, yeah. It, it's uh, yeah, curious one. Um, films with only one win, Women Talking, RRR, got Best Song, Top Gun, I think won Best Sound. Black Panther, Sound, yeah. yeah. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever won Costume Design, Avatar, The Way of Water won Visual Effects, Pinocchio was Best Animated Feature, and Navalny was Best uh, Documentary Feature. Um, there were some quite big kind of like flops on the night. I mean, Oscar flops. I mean, some films might say to get a load of Oscar nominations is, is a success. So the fact that you don't win any shouldn't like feel too bad. But Banshees of Annie Sharon was nominated for nine and one zero. Jeez. The, re- the record in that uh, of that is uh, Spielberg's The Colour Purple got 11 nominations and, and got none. And the, the, the biggest kind of one of those recently was uh, American Hustle, which was nominated for a shitload of awards and then didn't win any. Um, rightly so, because that film so. was a, an abomination. That I mean, was what, disgusting. What, I mean, what I would have said of Banshees is that I think both... I've watched Banshees now. We both, we both watched it. And I think we both think that it's kind of... It's not as good as people are saying it is. It doesn't quite hold together. The thing is, scene for scene, because the actors in it are so good, and Michael uh, Martin McDonough does like, you know, does write, you know, good scenes, good dialogue. There are some very good scenes in that film, and I thought the acting was very good in the film. So maybe it's. A, I don't think Banshees 
if Banshees had picked up an award here and there, I don't think it, it, it would have been as undeserving as American Hustle was, because American Hustle was just such a massively overrated film. Um, that was terrible. Other big flops, Elvis, none from nine. Didn't win any. Um, I mean, rightly so, just because it's directed by Baz Luhrmann. Yeah. Fablemans was nominated for seven and didn't win anything. Um, I haven't seen the Fablemans, so I I don't know. Uh, And Tar was nominated for six and didn't win any. And of those, right, Fablemans is... I mean, Elvis was a big hit, so Baz Luhrmann probably doesn't care too much. Uh, Steven Spielberg, look, he's, he's already got enough awards. I'm sure he would have liked to have won some. Tar is probably the one that's kind of suffered the most there because that is the sort of film that, that <clears throat> whose reputation rests on, on awards the most out of those, I would say. So that's probably, you know, it feels quite bad. So, uh, should we go through the awards? I think we should. Uh, best Supporting Actor... Um, Kehu Kwan won for Everything Everywhere All at Once. The losing nominees were Brendan Gleeson, Banshees of Ina Sharon, Barry Keoghan, Banshees of Ina Sharon, Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, uh, and Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans. Um, justice done in this in this category? I think so. We we gave, I didn't, it, to, I we gave it to Paul Dano for The Batman. Yeah, I mean, ne- never going to get nominated, is he? Um, but what was I going to say? Um... I think this category was a bit of a weak category. Yeah, um, yeah I've I I've, right. I've seen everything everywhere all at once, and I didn't think it was that good. I thought it was okay. I thought it was a decent film, but I didn't understand the absolute gushing over best actress, best actor in a supporting role. I didn't didn't get it. I thought, especially best actress in a supporting role, because it went to the wrong person from this film because it should have gone to Stephanie Sue. Is yeah. that how you pronounce it? Um, I think Should've that's how we pronounce it over here. That it's it's pronounced differently in Chinese, but no one no one west of the of that of that <laughs> no one in the Western Hemisphere can can pronounce that syllable. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it was a particularly strong category. I liked everything everywhere at once a lot. I think I liked it better than than you did. I happened to have watched it a second time because when Dev heard that it won loads of awards, she said, "Oh, let's let, let's put it on," and and I really enjoyed it a second time. I found myself smiling and kind of really enjoying myself a second time but it wasn't my favorite film of last year i really enjoyed it um you know i think we'll talk at the end you know i think everything everywhere all at once won as many awards as it did i mean that's a very sentimental award and i think when we get to support an actress it'll be a similar one because kehu kwan is very popular for 30 years he didn't get any acting jobs just think about that right as a kid right he is in an Indiana Jones film, which is a fucking massive hit, and he was in The Goonies, which was a massive hit. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of Temple of Doom, but he's really good in The Goonies, right? How You look at all the other people in The Goonies, who, uh, and they all went on to have pretty good careers. Josh Brolin, uh, Sean Astin, a, you know, a, bun- a bunch of other you know actors. Kehu Kwan is like, what the fuck? where the fuck is his acting career over the, the 30 years after that? So I think there was an element of, like... It's justice is being done, and there's a lot of you know. I thought he was very good in the film, but I think it was an element of the Oscars love a comeback. They love a sentimental story. They love like a popular figure kind of finally right, and that's that's like a recurring theme. You look at some of the awards that this year. There is an element of Oscars going, "Oh, we love him or her. Let's let's give them the award." And I think that's basically why he's won it. It's not like he wasn't good. I thought he was terrific, but I think there's an element of that. But as you say, it's not a particularly strong category. The ones that were nominated. I would probably have given it to Barry Keoghan. I thought he was terrific in Banshees. He was very good. 
because he's always good. And it's like Barry Keoghan, off you go. Do you know what I mean? Just I've seen him in the Green Knight. He's the only fucking good thing in Eternals. It's like he stick every time he's in the Eternals. It's like oh bloody hell, I remember he's a good actor, but he's you know it's too late because it's a shit film otherwise. Um, but yeah, that's that. D- uh, best Supporting Actress. Uh, the nominees were Angela Bassett for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, uh, Hong Chao for The Whale. Uh, they could just as easily have nominated her for the menu, actually. Carrie Condon for Banshees of Arnie Sharon. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Everything Everywhere All at Once. And Stephanie Sue for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, and uh, on our award, we gave it to, to Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, so we, we agreed with Oscar on this. But at the time, I don't think you'd seen um, Everything Everywhere. And you took my word for it on that one. I sort of played my my card on that. So you, you preferred Stephanie Sue's performance, yeah? I mean, for me, it was a toss-up between those two in, in, out of the nominees. Yeah, I didn't didn't get Jamie Lee Curtis's nomination at all. I don't think she was actually that good in it to win Best Supporting Actress. That is that screams of scent of a woman. Just it, oh, Jamie Lee Curtis never won an Oscar. Fuck, let's give her an Oscar. Yeah, she deserve, I, I think thought. there was, I think there was an element of sentimentality to her win. I did really enjoy her her performance. I don't think this is the strongest supporting actress category we've ever had. I mean, the previous year the supporting actress category was fucking stacked. Um, that in terms of uh, other people. People, people have said, you know, Kristen Stewart was, was hard done by for um, uh, not even getting nominated at all for Crimes of the Future. A lot of people are big fans of Hong Chao's performance. There's a lot of thought that Angela Bassett's been snubbed there for Black Panther. I mean, you've seen Black Panther too. What did you think of her versus Jamie Lee Curtis? I mean, I didn't think Black Panther 2 was that good. Yeah. So... I'm happy with it. Yeah. Like, I would be happy if it was Stephanie Zhu, but I'm also... I don't think Black Panda were kind of further. I think Angela Bassett gave a good performance, but it didn't blow me away. I didn't think, oh, wow, yes, I, that's the thing I remember from this yeah. film. Because what I remember about Black Panda Wakanda Forever was that it was shit. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, look, I liked it better than you, but same. I mean, I really like Angela Bassett, and I do think she was hard done by. And I think there was an element of there's almost too, pe- too many people this year who 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 needed an it's about time award and it just the, the chips fell where they fell for Angela Bassett unfortunately for her um but again not the strongest not the strongest acting category they've ever had at, at the at the Oscars I don't think um like I said I'm, I'm, I'm happy that everything everything all at once won a bunch of Oscars because I, I do think it's it's good that films that found an audience and that people liked are are being and and I think it's a very inventive film. I certainly think it did a hell of a lot more with the multiverse idea than than Doctor Strange did. Um, Definitely. So I don't have a problem with it winning all those awards out of these nominees. I do think some of the better films just didn't even make it onto the nominations at all. Um, okay, original screenplay. Um, so we only gave out one award for screenplay because it's not really worth, you know, unless you see all the films, it's not really worth handing out like double awards here. We we gave it to Daniels, and you might you might revisit that having seen everything everywhere now because again this was another one where I said I'm I'm, I'm calling this. Um, but the nominees were um, Martin McDonough, Banshees of Anna Sharon, Daniels, Everything Everywhere All at Once, uh, Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner for The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar and Ruben Erstland uh, for Triangle of Sadness, and the winners were Daniels for Everything Ever All at Once. What did you think of this? I think that's probably fair. Again, the categories this year weren't the strongest, <clears throat> but the story of Everything Everywhere All at Once was brilliant. Mm-hmm. What I will say, though, is that the film is very confusing. It's, it is, I get that it's a very non-linear film, but there was times in that film like I didn't, I had no idea what the fuck was going on. 
and I hate shit when I hate shit like that. And what I hate even more is when folk go, "Yeah, it was great, wasn't it?" That you didn't understand what the fuck was going on. You didn't know whether you were in this part or you were in that part. No, if you're gonna make a film that's pure confusing, you need to make it understandable. Yeah. And and the perf- the perfect example of this is Inception because yeah. the idea of Inception is rather confusing to some, not not to everyone, but it's presented in a way that you can kind of go, "All oh, right, so they're in different dreams. Oh, and they've got to do this in the dream for this thing to happen, right?" Whereas this was just. Oh yeah! Now she's using her personality from a different multiverse, and I know this has happened and this has happened. I thought it was a great idea, but it was very confusing, and I think that's got to come down to the way it was written. Um, yeah, I think what what I would say on this was that uh, it's an incredibly inventive idea, and the script is hugely ambitious. And I personally gave it a pass for the areas where you're quite right. It, basically, what it did was it, it had so many ideas going on that occasionally in the movie. It lost the run of itself. Um, I just think out, out of the nominees and out of the scripts this year, there weren't that many other films whose scripts really stood out. But, uh, you know, that, that's another story. Um, adapted screenplay. So we didn't give an award for, for two different types of screenplay, but uh, the nominees here were Edward Berger, Leslie Patterson and Ian Stokel for All Quiet and the Western Front, Ryan Johnson for Glass Onion, uh, Kazuya Shiguro for Living, Aaron Kruger and Warren Singer and Christopher McQuarrie for Top Gun Maverick. That's an interesting Top Gun uh, adapted screenplay nomination. And Sarah Polly for Women Talking. Um, I haven't seen the film, so I don't know. Um, none of those hugely stand out. Although I do think the Glass Onion script was was very clever. What, what did you think of this? What did you think of this win? I would have given it to Glass Onion, to be honest. Yeah, well, that's just because I really enjoyed it. I wasn't hugely struck on the on the ending of the film, but again, it's very very clever, very cleverly written, and you know, I I have reservations about All Quiet on the Western Front, and and that comes does actually come down to the writing, so I would not have given an award for that. Um, yeah, no, no, I don't have strong feelings here. Um, animated feature. I'm not sure if we. Yeah, I, I nominated uh, Apollo Ten and a Half for for double. You you didn't really see any animated films that really kind of jumped out for you as deserving of an award. And I loved Apollo Ten and a Half, which seems to have gone nowhere. I mean, I would call that a snub. Um, but it was Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with shoes on, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, The Sea Beast, uh, Turning Red, and uh, the the award went to Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Have you have you seen this? No, but uh, a guy at work said it's really good. Yeah, I think he sets it in Italy during during the rise of fascism, uh, which is one of Guillermo del Toro's kind of uh, favourite themes. When you look at like Pan's Labyrinth and The Devil's Backbone and, and and other films that he's done, so it's an interesting backdrop. Yeah, people people love it. I haven't seen it, so I can't comment. I haven't actually seen any of these nominees. I just, you know, like I say, we're not we're not professional film critics or anything, so we don't go and see all the films. We watch the films that we that we. Uh, you know that we want to go and see, and we do try and do Oscar homework and watch all the films. I just didn't didn't get around to seeing this. Uh, I will probably watch Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. I have to say, I fucking loved Apollo Ten and a Half, and I think it's very very disappointing that didn't get a nomination because I, I think it was a, a beautifully made film. Um, but because uh, I haven't seen the the nominees, I can't really comment on uh, on whether this was a you know the, the right choice. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I get what you're saying. <clears throat> Any thoughts on that? I think you've seen Turning Red, haven't you? No, I tried to, but... Uh, you know what's bad, right? My missus loves Disney. We'll watch anything Disney. She's watched Encanto twice. She's got the Encanto soundtrack on her phone. Now, Encanto is shit, but she loves it. That's how much my missus loves Disney. Yeah. She looked at the trailer for Turning Red and went, nah. 
put it on, <laughs> couldn't be asked. Just no. couldn't be asked. It just it's one of those ones. That Pixar's just lost its touch. Yeah, I, I I I tend to agree. Okay, documentary feature. We didn't give out an award for this. Um, we don't watch a lot of documentaries. That's that's all it is. We we gave an award the previous year because I you know I'd seen Summer of Soul and it blew me away. It's Nothing, you know, nothing against the award, but you know, the 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 winner in the end was Navalny. There were a bunch of others that I really don't know about. I know that Fire of Love was about volcano, uh, a true story of some people who were studying volcanoes. I don't really know anything about any of the others. Navalny is based on, you know, the Navalny being kind of poisoned and imprisoned by Putin. You know, his wife, uh, you know, accepted the award and made a statement on his behalf. Thoughts on this? What did you think about this? Hey, like, yeah, we we've not seen many documentaries, but. This was always going to win, wasn't it? Given it, the climate and circumstances, quite, quite timely, it was yeah. going to win. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, makeup and hairstyling was won by the whale. Um, I haven't seen yeah. it, but I assume there's obviously a lot of makeup went into making uh, Brendan Fraser look uh, convincingly, you know, uh, like his obese character. So, I, I assume you thought that was very, very good. Yeah, it was. It, it, it looks like Brendan Fraser, but if Brendan Fraser had put on 20 stone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, costume design went to Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I mean, I do think the costumes were, you know, very good in that. I, I, it's, yeah, it's, that's fair enough. Yeah, I, I, I thought the costume design in Babylon was great as well, but obviously Black Panther Wakanda Forever is... I mean, it's it's the second time that, that this film has won. I mean, the, the, same, the same person won for uh, the first Black Panther film for costume design. People just like the idea that they've kind of, they've invented a country and they've invented a country's fashions and everything else. And I think that is quite interesting because I'm not a big believer in like, you know, when all these like world's most influential people list come out and like fashion designers or anything, oh, fuck off, it's just clothes. At the same time, the clothes that people wear and the customs that people have do a lot to make a world look real and to make Wakanda seem like a real place. It probably was quite important to have those those costumes and they were very impressive. So, yeah, fair play. Uh, film editing. Interesting mixture of, of nominees for this. Um, we didn't give out an award for this. Banshees of Ina Sharon, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Tara and Top Gun Maverick. Did you think Banshees of Ina Sharon was all that well edited or that much of a challenge to edit? No. I mean, I don't think the editing. I don't, <laughs> no. think, I don't think the editing was the problem in that film, but it's like it just it's scene follows scene. I don't think it's. I don't think it needed particularly impressive editing, and everything, everything, all at once is, is probably has won this because uh, it has got like a hundred million things going on, and you do have some very interesting stuff. Like at, at one moment, you've got the the one car why uh, scene where uh, Michelle Yeoh is playing a film star and Kehu Kwan is her suave ex lover and it cuts to other stuff and everything else going on so obviously someone had a, a hell of a job on their hands editing that film together um, I thought Top Gun Maverick was very was beautifully made and you know out of the nominees I'm, I might have given it to that but I, I don't have a problem with everything everyone's once winning for editing I imagine the editors worked fucking long hours making that work if I'm honest your thoughts yeah I would agree it, as much as I said it was a mess, um, it wasn't It wasn't an unintelligible mess. I understood what was going on, but I had difficulty doing it. So the fact that they made a film that mental, understandable, is you know yeah. commendable. So Best Cinematography, um, we awarded this to Banshees of Ina Sharon. This is the award where I don't think we could decide between two nominees. I think the other one was possibly Top Gun Maverick, and uh, the, the award was actually chosen by your dogs. Uh, so that was, I felt, an, an innovation that, that uh, had not been achieved in film awards before. Uh, on the night, the nominations were All Quiet on the Western Front, Bardo, Elvis, Empire of Light and Tar. 
I mean, Empire of Light was essentially, wasn't that Roger Deakins? Um, I mean, basically, that's Roger Deakins' like customary nomination. Um, and the winner was All Quiet in the Western Front. Uh, your thoughts on the Cinematography Award this year? Um, yeah, I, again, uh, no film properly stuck out for me. I do think Badges of Aina Sharon is a beautiful film, but for they relied a lot on the kind of Irish landscape, which is naturally... Be- like, the the Irish landscape guarantees you a nomination, regardless of how, yeah, how good of a yeah. cinematographer you yeah, are. Yeah, we talked about this on the award show, is that, you know, yeah. the, 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 the thing that you're filming is doing a lot of the work for you, and yet, at the same time, when Macbeth was filmed in uh, in, in in northern Scotland, just across the sea, um, they managed to fuck it up. So you still need to do a good job of actually kind of capturing it right. But, you know, I, my, I, I was sort of riding hard for Top Gun Maverick on this. I thought that film cinematography was absolutely incredible. Um, funnily enough, Roger Deakins was asked what he thought, and he said that the best cinematography... Uh, of the year wasn't even nominated. He said the best cinematography was by Greg Fraser for The Batman. And I, I thought that would be a controversial choice because the film is so dark and not everybody kind of thinks about it. Do you, do you think it was too dark, uh, The Batman? It was very dark, wasn't it? It was hard to see. It was hard to kind of establish. I mean, I've watched The Batman again at home, you know, so, you know, I, you know, you can't always guarantee that the film you're watching at the cinema, they don't always put the lights down properly. They're not always projecting it as well as they should. Um, you know, this is, you know, Chris, Chris Nolan's hobby horses frequently that he feels like he's got to kind of tone down what he's doing because of the limitations of the, the, the fucking cinemas. I watched it at home where I was sort of confident in my setup and it, it does look fucking great. I have to say it does look really, really good. And a lot of the darkness, the contrast actually holds up. And I wonder if it was just the, the dark and light, the dark and shade of that film was just, you know, you needed to be absolutely spot on to kind of uh, appreciate it. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't have strong, I don't have strong objection to All Quiet on the Western Front winning it. It was a very good looking film. It's a very well shot film. So no problem. Best Sound went to Top Gun Maverick. I have no objections to that. I think when you get into the technical yeah. awards, it, it is that the, the, the biggest films are often the best made in that way. I think the last time that I could remember a really small film winning Best Sound was uh, The Hurt Locker, because that, funnily enough, they, they, they had such a tiny budget, but they just made it look and sound so amazing. So most of the time, though, that's it. Production design went to All Quiet and the Western Front. I mean, that's not too surprising. Obviously, they had to recreate World War One, and I have to say it's a very, very good recreation of the World War One trenches. I do think the production design of Babylon was great. I also think the production uh, design of the Batman was fucking incredible. Um, but you know, I don't have an objection to this award. You got thoughts? Did any of other production design stick out for you this year? Um, not off the top of my head. Um. Let me think. No, I think I think the Batman was snubbed, um, just because it. Well, again, I have mixed feelings about this because it made the city I live in and that look like an absolute shit hole, and it isn't. Um, but yeah, but but, <laughs> but, it, but it wasn't trying. It wasn't trying to portray Glasgow, was it? It was, you know. I no. Think basically, what I thought. Again, I'm I'm a bit weird like this, is because I I see like the production design of like urban landscapes which would be hellish to live in but I fucking love to look at them I mean Blade Runner is one of the most beautiful films ever made about such an ugly future 
and I really like that. And I feel like they went to, to Glasgow because they said, look, the, the architecture here is really interesting. Glasgow is a really fucking good looking city actually, but the architecture is really interesting. And if you want to make look if you want to make a city look fucking bad but interesting to look at, you've got to go somewhere where the buildings have got got character, you know? And I think that's what they used Glasgow for, but then they overlaid so much on it to create this kind of world like these, you know, disused building sites of like the failed re- you know, re- renewal projects and everything else. It was fucking impressive to look at. But uh, yeah, I think you know the Batman was very, very hard done by at these Oscars. If I'm honest, I, I get a feeling with the Batman that like Avatar: The Way of Water came out and did well, and um, uh, Top Gun Maverick did well, and there was there wasn't room for any more um, blockbusters on the on on the Oscars. It was almost like they said, "Sorry, sorry, Batman, but you've uh, uh, you know we, we we just got other we've got other fish to fry this year." Even though the Batman, I think, was an absolutely terrific movie, it's been really kind of hard done by. You know, they they said, "Oh, you know, uh, Top Gun Maverick saved uh, saved cinema because one point four billion people went to see it." Well, or one point four billion uh, 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 box office around the world. Well, you know, the Batman did eight hundred. That's fucking pretty good, you know. So I. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop moaning about the Batman now. Um, <laughs> vi- visual effects. Uh, we didn't give out an award for this. All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and Top Gun Maverick. Probably unsurprising that Avatar The Way of Water won this. Have you seen it yet? Uh, Avatar? Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, Fuck uh, that. look, it looks fucking incredible. And I, I gave, saw this really interesting interview with James Cameron, or someone paraphrasing something James Cameron said. Is when they said, you know, how did you make your underwater scenes look so good? And he said, because I actually film underwater, you know, um, even though it's all CGI, you know, the characters in the in the CG suits were underwater, and he invented technology so that you could do that shit underwater. Um, I mean, look, James Cameron and water kind of go together. He's personally been down to the fucking bottom of the sea, right? So, of course, this was going to win visual effects. I mean, did any of those deserve it ahead? You know, deserve more thought from you? Right? <sighs> No, I w- uh, I've not seen it, but I imagine it is a lot more polished than the shit we've been getting from Marvel over the yeah, past couple of years. I, yeah, I mean, Mar- Top Gun Maverick was also very good. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, right? I don't think the Batman and Top Gun Maverick, the other nominees on here, I don't think they relied that much on visual effects. Do you know what I mean? And that's probably yeah. that's probably doing the Batman a disservice because I'm sure lots of visual effects were required to achieve what they did. But it's like that's a fucking cool car chase. That's a really good street level like Batman fighting you know, in in an in, in an alleyway. And I don't think it relied as heavily on visual effects really. Well, Avatar: of The Water without visual effects, you don't have a movie. And Top Gun: Maverick is almost a victim of the fact that. That's actually Tom Cruise in a jet. Do you know what I mean? I mean they used a lot of visual effects, but Tom Cruise goes so out of his way to make everything he, he does look real that maybe the visual effects get underrated. But this was going to be Avatar's year because you know if you invent the technology required to make the movie, you're obviously ahead of everybody else. You know. Um, here's one where I think we have yeah. strong views though. Best original score. The nominees were All Quiet on the Western Front, uh, Babylon, Banshees of Anisharin. Everything ever all at once in the Fablemans, and the winner was all quiet in the Western Front. Your your thoughts on this? Um, it was Hans Zimmer nominated this year. Uh, what did he do? Was he um, and and should he have been? What did he do? Was he Top Gun Maverick? Maybe. No, he wasn't nominated. I mean, to be fair, Top to be fair, Top Gun Maverick wasn't that good. 
He didn't. The, the score is not what you go to see that film for. No, and, and um, the thing is, for the, for the score of Top Gun Maverick, he has kind of got to use the um, the music uh, from the original film. The original kind right. of hook, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I I think it should have been uh, Michael Giacchino for the Batman. I think that was the best score of last year. That's yeah, who we 100%. gave the award to. Of the nominees, I'd have given it to Babylon because that was a brilliant score. All Quiet on the Western Front was very effective, though. It had this quite simple melody which it used at times to to like un, to underscore, pun intended, what's happening on screen. And I think it was it was very good, but it was quite it was quite simple. Um, and I think the Batman's fucking beautiful. It's a beautiful score. Um, and I would have you know I would have given it to Babylon out of these nominated. Uh, Best song, I don't have strong views on this. I mean, please chip in if you've got strong views. I mean, best song at the Oscars is really an excuse to have people singing some songs at the Oscars. I don't care too much about best song, but it was one by Natu Natu from RRR. They did. They actually brought the whole cast on and did the full production number from the movie, uh, and it was fucking electrifying. It was like it was like the Indian Hamilton. It looked fucking amazing, so of course they won, but I don't care about the best song Oscar. Do you care about the best song Oscar? Not at all. <laughs> we'll leave that behind. Um, best international film: All Quiet in the Western Front, Argentina, nineteen eighty-five, Close, EO, The Quiet Girl, won by All Quiet in the Western Front. I mean, it's been a bit of an awards juggernaut. Uh, not surprised that it won. Your thoughts on this? Again, nah. You kind of get to the awards now, where it's like me. I mean, I haven't. No, seen... like I'm. I'm really happy for the people that won, but. I haven't seen the other nominees. The fact is, Best International Film is always kind of a bit of a pat on the head from the West. It's like some of the best films in the world are made in, in foreign languages, don't get really nominated for many Oscars. So the International Film Award is like, whatever. I think Decision to Leave should have been on this list because I think it was one of the best films of last year. Um, it's like, I don't know, it's like it's like a bunch of white blokes from like the, the you know, the, the whitest city in in, in, in in England, giving out an award for best curry. It's like, okay, but what do you know? You know, so fair enough. Uh, we're on to the, the big ones now. Best actor. Nominations were Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell, Banshees of Anna Sharon, Brendan Fraser, The Whale, Paul Mescal, After Sun, and Bill Nye for Living. There were, there were a lot of narratives here. I mean, this was an Oscar ceremony for narratives. Was Colin Farrell finally going to win? You know, he's, he's very popular. America really loved that film. Was Austin Butler going to win for Elvis? Because when you play one of the most iconic characters in the history of uh, of you know the twentieth century, and he did win a lot of the the awards, you know, coming into this, uh, Bill Nye was obviously very popular for After Sun, even though he was an outsider. And in the end, Brendan Fraser wins for The Whale, which is I think a combination of, you know, that film was built around his performance, and there is a lot he's very popular, and I think people feel like it's lovely to see him getting recognition. Um, you've seen you've seen at least three of the performances on the li- on this list. What did you think of Ben and Fraser winning? Um, yeah, I, I think it is deserved. I think the way Hollywood screwed him over, it was about time he got recognised yeah. um, for his talent. And he seemed um, genuinely, genuinely feel, overwhelmed in his speech as well. He was like, I don't think he knew he was going to win because everyone was just expecting Austin Butler to win. Yeah, um, and that's yeah, it's a shame for Austin Butler because he did put his heart and soul into it. But they yeah, don't. The they the day, don't was... give many best actor awards out to young actors. The youngest people ever to win best actor are two twenty-nine-year-olds, Richard Dreyfus and 
Adrian Brody, and no, everyone else has been in their thirties, forties, or older when they've or older when they've won Best Actor. They they look at young actors like this and say, "Well done. We'll probably give you an award for your next performance." That's just what happens. It happened to Peter O'Toole for Lawrence of Arabia. I've banged on about this before. They 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 just don't give it to younger actors, and you know when they first make a breakthrough, it's just what happens. Um, we gave the double reel award to Daniel Cray for Glass Onion. You hadn't seen The Whale at that point. I don't think you'd seen Elvis at that point. You still happy with the, with the award we gave out? I mean, no, it has to kind of be Brendan Fraser. Sorry to yeah. Daniel Craig, but I don't think yeah. he would be too upset about it. Yeah. But because it's a different type of performance. Um, Daniel Craig is making these films to for his own enjoyment I think I think it's great that they're successful and it's great that he's reaching an audience but for the most part I think he's just having so much fun playing uh, the, the, that detective character that he doesn't give a shit <laughs> he doesn't need awards he's very I th- happy I think he's just enjoying the fact that he's not having to doing roles that are fucking doing his knees in more yeah, than anything yeah I think that's true and he's wearing some really nice clothes mind you he wore, he wore nice clothes for to play James he Bond, wore the obviously. best clothes <laughs> yeah yeah um, Best Actress nominees were Kate Blanchett for Tar, Anna Diarmas for Blonde, Andrea Riseborough for To Leslie, Michelle Williams for The Fablemans, and Michelle Yeoh Everything Everywhere All at Once. This uh, this category was talked about more for the people who weren't on the list and the kind of odd campaign that Andrea Riseborough's kind of production company did for To Leslie. Um, Viola Davis was considered to be snubbed. Same with Daniel Deadweiler. Um, what did you think of the, the this category, which went to Michelle Yeoh in the end for everything, every all at once? A bit of a weak year, if I'm being completely honest. I, I think, I, I think out it's of all bit, those Michelle Yeoh deserve to win, but I think it's a bit of a weak year. Strongest. I think it's a bit of a weak year in terms of those nominations, right? But. I think there were some amazing performances by actresses who didn't get rec- recognition. I do think Viola Davis was hard done by for not getting recognised for The Woman King. Um, now, they talked a lot... Of, I, mean, I can't I can't say what I think about um, Daniel Deadweiler for Till because I haven't seen it. So she could have been the best thing last year. I just haven't seen it, so I can't comment. But Viola Davis was fucking good. And I think she can consider herself quite hard done by. Interesting, though, the Oscar campaign. This is why I wanted to talk about that movie, the Oscar, in our previous uh, episode, because the campaigns are quite a big part of who wins the Oscars. That's why Weinstein was absolute disgraceful asshole, um, but he was very skilled at, at getting nominations and awards for, for actors that had been in his films. It, the campaigns do play a large part. And here's what's interesting. A24 were just all at all the parties they had Jamie Lee Kurtz was their secret weapon she would turn up to all the parties and just be like fucking lots of fun right if she ever won an award for anything she gave a brilliant speech Kahu Kwan just looked like the happiest person in the world to like be back making movies again and they, everyone just fucking loved them everyone loved everything ever all at once and that's why it's won the award do you know what I mean it's just like even if you don't think it's the best film that came out last year it's just like I fucking like these people do you know what I mean and but actually I think Tang Wei, that Tang Wei for Decision to Leave was our, was our award. I think she was amazing. I think Viola Davis deserved to be nominated. I think it's a weak category, but I think there were better performances not nominated. Uh, but that's the way it goes. Um, okay, moving on to Best Director. Uh, nominees were Martin McDonough, Banshee's of Sharon, uh, Daniels for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Steven Spielberg, The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, Ruben Oostland for Triangle of Sadness, and it went to Daniels for everything ever all at once. What did you think of this? It was probably always going to go with them, wasn't it? Yeah, I think the the other thing that people have said is that the 
the 2021 awards for the films that came out in 2020, I think that got criticised for being like a bit of a virtue signalling awards. If you were making a film about the poor and dispossessed or a, a min- an oppressed minority or someone with a disability or anything else, you're just guaranteed a nomination. I think that's a bit harsh. I think those films were the ones that actually came out. That's all it, all it was. And, you know, some of those films are very good. I think Sound of Metal thoroughly deserved to get nominated for, you know, because it was a very good film. This this year it's been about... there's they're, they're really happy to see diversity represented on screen, right? But I think what they're actually saying is, isn't it great that diverse films are fucking top of the box office, right? Isn't it great that, like, di- diversity is not holding people back from being in the movies... But what they really wanted to give the awards to is the movies that people fucking liked. They, a lot of these films really connected with an audience. I mean, Love It or Hate It, Banshee's Vine Sharon has made a lot of money, right? It's been quite a big hit. People have liked it. And I think it's... Everything every, all at once marks, like, old Hollywood and it's, you know, let's give the prestige awards to the people that we've heard of that are about the same age as us who are making another predictable awards movie. It's actually saying, no, this film's a bit different. This film is interesting. These directors are quite new. And they're, and they're getting awards recognition. It does feel like a little bit of a... People have called it like a, a changing of the guard um, in the uh, in, in Hollywood that different people are actually getting to be nominated for awards. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, and that's good. Um, I, I think this year was always going to... Not, not specifically this year, but the ceremony where that happened, where films that you wouldn't usually expect to win Oscars would win, was always yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think these were the films that deserved it, not just from my preference. But no, I it's mean, good I, that it's happened. So, I mean, some of the nominations that we did for this year are, like, because these years run differently. One of my, my favourite directorial performance of last year was uh, Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza. But he actually was, was uh, in, uh, he was actually eligible for the previous year because of when the film came out in America. Same with Game of Tomorrow for Nightmare Alley. I do think Matt Reeves did a, such an amazing job directing the Batman. I think he deserved to be nominated. Um, who else made films this year? I think Park Chan Wook can consider himself hard done by David Cronenberg. He's, ne- he's never going to win, you know, be even be nominated for an Oscar. So, I think maybe some of the best directorial performances didn't make the nominations. But I don't have a problem with Daniels winning. Um, it is what it is. It's their year, and they were very fun. They seemed like really nice guys as well. You know. Everyone yeah. involved in everything ever all at once did come across as really likeable and really genuine when, when they were collecting their awards. So it's hard to begrudge them any of their success, really. Um, what did we give Best Director to? Have I already said that? We get, Yeah, we gave it to Paul Thomas Anderson with his pizza. He's not eligible this year in, in the Oscars because of the timings. Okay, here we go, the big one, Best Picture. This is one that has 10 nominee or more nominees. The nominees were All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, Banshees of Ina Sherin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness. We gave it to, we gave our Best Picture award to The Batman, which wasn't even nominated. Everything Everywhere All at Once won Best Picture. Wouldn't have been my choice. I don't think it would have been yours either, mate, would it? Nah. What what would you have chosen out of these films nominated that you've seen? I mean, best picture for myself if I was voting, of all of those would have been Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, same. I, I don't, that's I, just because I enjoyed it the most. But the best film that I enjoyed last year would have been the Batman. 
Yeah, and and while I, Licorice Peach was my favourite film of last year. It didn't come out to be Oscar eligible, and you know our, our awards are based on you and I needing to agree on the film, and, and that was the Batman. I've got no problem with that. I thought the Batman was brilliant. I think it thoroughly deserved at least a nomination here, and I, I'm the same as you actually. I think the film that I enjoyed the most, the film that I liked the best out of all the films that came out last year, was was Top Gun Maverick, and I, I just think. As much as this is like the new Oscars, the new Hollywood, where they're actually, they are a lot more accepting of mainstream films now. They are trying to give a lot more recognition to films that have found an audience and all that sort of thing. I think it's probably a bridge too far for a film like Top Gun Maverick to win Best Picture right now. That's just the way it goes. I don't mind that Everything Everywhere All At Once won because it was a very inventive film. And I like it when people have actually tried to really kind of push the boundaries with interesting storytelling get recognition for awards. I don't think it was the best film last year, but I don't I don't begrudge them winning it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I would agree. I think you put it quite nicely there. So, snubs. We already talked about some of the snubs. I think Angela Bassett was called a snub when she didn't win. Some people think Kerry Condon was hard done by for Best Supporting Actress for Banshees. What did you think of her in, in that? She was very good, right enough. I have to I say, the acting maybe was amazing in Banshees of Iron Sharon. The, the, the acting performances were bloody terrific, even though the film itself, I think, is just not not holding together. Yeah, if we're if we're given one to Jamie Lee Curtis, then, yeah, I'm sorry, Kerry Condon was a lot stronger. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, other other snubs, I think, I think the Batman was very hard done by. Uh, just it should have just been recognised in more awards. We've already talked about how Michael Giacchino's score... Um, deserved more recognition any any other big snubs in, in your view um i would have given it to batman obviously um but other than that i don't think so you i think decision to leave was very hard done by to not be nominated for awards i think it was definitely one of the best films of last year i think tang Wei was the best actress of last year hands down for it to not even be nominated just goes to show it kind of makes the international uh film award especially hollow when that doesn't even get nominated. And it makes the... Look, I think it's fucking terrific that Asian-Americans or, or, or Asian... And, and the Asian actors, because Michelle is not Asian-American, she's actually Asian. It's great that these that these actors are getting the recognition that they thoroughly deserve. I think Michelle Yeoh deserved a, an Oscar nomination for um, for Crouching Tiger. I think she was terrific. I think she's amazing. I love her and everything she's in. Right? Keiko Kwan was really good in that movie. I'm, I, and one of the Daniels is, is Asian. It's, it's, a, it's a directing team. It's great that Asian actors are getting recognition. But it's still a little bit hollow when it's a, an Asian film from South Korea, which ought to be recognised as one of the best filmmaking hubs in the world right now. A fucking incredible acting performance just doesn't even get recognised. Well, if you fucking think Asian actors deserve more recognition, watch some of these films, guys. Actually fucking watch some of the best movies that come out last year and recognise them. If you really care about diversity and not just kind of patting people on the head, she deserved an award. And even if you take that diversity equation out of it, she, just, she was incredible. That film... Park Chan-wook has said, I've got this idea for a film. It's really, really, it's going to be brilliant if, if I get the right actors to do the right job. And he got two actors, because Hale Park, I think, was a bit snubbed as well, but I don't think he was going to recognise. Tang Wei was the best actress last year. For her not to be nominated is a fucking travesty. Um, I thought Nope. I thought Nope didn't even get a single nomination for any of the technicals or editing everything else. I thought Kiki Palmer was very good in a, in a not very strong year for supporting actress performances. She could have, you know, she could have been, you know, nominated there. Although maybe she, you know, was counted as a lead actress. I think she wouldn't have looked out of place on the best uh, best actress either. I thought she was very good. Um, 
And Babylon. I think Babylon was hard done by. But I think when a movie that expensive flops and is is not liked by everybody, it's a very divisive film. I'm not surprised it didn't really get much. But I think Babylon was hard done by. I actually think Babylon was one of the best films of last year. and So I think it deserved a bit more recognition. But there you go. Um, any other thoughts on the, the awards winners and losers from you there, mate? Um, no, it was a bit of a, yeah, I think it was just a bit of a chill year for the Oscars. I don't think anything would have, I think it was a bit weak in terms of nominations, if I'm being yeah, they have frank. Like I don't that. think it was a strong yeah. year. But I think out of the nominations, if other people had been nominated, I would have been happier. Yeah. And I would have been giving them awards, but out of the nominations, it was probably those that deserved to win. Yeah, yeah, I'd go along with that. Um, so in terms of the Oscars, they always talk now about the the future of the Oscars, and some of this comes down to the uh, you know the fact that the ratings are lower than they ever were, and people do talk about the um, uh, you know are, are these awards stale? These awards ceremonies haven't really made many headlines, except when Will Smith you know got up on stage and slapped somebody. So people do talk about the future of the Oscars. I mean, what do you think is the future of the Oscars? Um, I think they're, they're going to have to do something because it, because it is just the same repetitive ceremony every year. And it went viral last year because of the slap and it's never going to be that viral again. Um, yeah. I think it's just, it's they've done 95 years of it, so you're not going to get anything more interesting out of them from... If I'm if I'm thinking next year, what what could they do next year that would be pure interesting? Like nominate only indie films, actually nominate films that deserve to win, like the Batman, yeah. a comic book film, winning all the Oscars that deserve to win. That would that would get people interested. Well, no, it would get me interested, but most people don't give a shit. If you were to go to my mum, oh yeah, Batman won Best Picture, she'd go, oh yeah, okay, cool. She just wouldn't give a shit. Yeah, just I, there's I, I know certain things about films that people don't give a shit about, and yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah. The thing is, it's very interesting what you said about going viral, because I think the problem the problem you've got is I don't think the people doing the Oscars actually put any thought into the, the very idea of going viral. Do you know what I mean? And I don't mean they should manufacture controversy so that they get loads of clicks on social media. But the fact is, I do think they are stuck in a very traditional and kind of old media kind of view of what the Oscars should be. Like, at this point, who gives a shit if the ratings are not as high as they were in the 1990s? No television show is ever going to get those kind of ratings again. And they don't need them. Breaking Bad is considered to be this massive hit. What were the fucking ratings? Fucking not many. Like, the the the, the ratings on things like Netflix are counted in a completely different way now. So there are shows that have been watched by a massive, huge number of people. But it's kind of... It's all counted in a very different way now and that they've got this very hidebound, like, attitude to what the Oscars should be. The only... You know, it's like the idea that, like... a certain kind of film or a certain kind of performance needs to win the award. Do you know what I mean? It'd be like, they'd probably think they were being too trivial if too many mainstream movies wouldn't nominate it or, or won too many awards. You know, they've got to be these kind of prestige dramas. You know, it's got to be like, you know, Raging Bull or it's got to be 12 Years a Slave. Now, these are great films, but actually these films deserve awards because they're great films, not because they tick all the boxes of like an Oscar drama. Do you know what I mean? And I think maybe they yeah. need to, what they need to do is to kind of need to, to to rethink the whole thing a little bit. And I thought what was interesting is ABC and Disney own the rights to broadcast the, uh, the the ceremony, and that deal runs out in a few years. 
that might be their opportunity to actually get someone in who's got a handle on kind of multi-platform. Because the one thing that the Oscars need to do, right, is just retain their prestige. Because if you actually, here's the thing, if you see a poster and it says, Academy Award winner such and such is in this movie, or this movie was nominated for six Oscars, you will at least go, oh, maybe it was quite good. That's literally what the Oscars are for, right? Everything else doesn't fucking matter. All you need is you need people to be interested enough in there are some good movies last year. We've given them some awards to the best movies and for people to hear about them. Not so people watch the award ceremony in big numbers. It's so people go out and watch the movies in big numbers. Do you know what I mean? That is what this is for. This is to promote the movie industry. And every ceremony does things in different ways. The Cannes Film Festival is like the flagship of European film, right? So the films that are nominated for things at Cannes are completely different compared to the Oscars. And that's fine. Because there are going to be things nominated for like an award at Cannes where a lot of people are going to go, oh, that's fucking a load of pretentious shit. I'm not going to watch it. But for a certain segment of the audience, it's really important to see, oh, did that film won something at Cannes, did it? I'll go and see it. That's literally all the Oscars need to do. So it doesn't matter if it's never fucking broadcast on live TV. Just need to have a lot of eyeballs go, oh, the Oscars are out. Who's going to win? Who's nominated? Oh, I might go and watch that film. That sounds good. As long as, right, you think about like how people kind of find out about films nowadays. They, they watch the trailers on YouTube. So why can't you see some of the awards kind of nomination trail on YouTube? Well, it doesn't, uh, they don't need to spend all this money on like watching it at like, because I don't watch the Oscars live because I have work on a Monday morning, right? So I'm not going to watch it live. Around the world doesn't matter. I mean, maybe some people watch it, maybe some people don't. What you need people to do is, is you need to do something that's going to make people take an interest in what good films have been out. The best example of this is like certain films like Coda were, were given awards recognition and did really well out of it. Moonlight. Moonlight made Barry Jenkins's career because despite being a tiny film, the awards recognition it got made people like me see something that I might have otherwise missed, right? And Amadeus, perfect example. Amadeus was a, a, an expensive film that ended up being a hit because it was nominated for so many awards that everyone goes, well, that must be good. I will go and see it. And that, that is what the Oscars need to be. I mean, what, what would you do to make people pay more attention to, to the awards themselves? I don't give a fuck about watching the ceremony, but what, what would you do to make people pay attention to the good movies? Well, I think it's a double-edged sword because, like you've just said there, Barry Jenkins' career was made because a small film of his was nominated. Yeah. But they never give any recognition to big films. Like, Inception should have been Best Director, Best Picture, Best Fucking Everything that year. Wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, and that that made a fucking billion dollars. So I think they just need to stop being so pedantic about oh this this film's a blo a blockbuster, or it's a comic book film, or it's a sci-fi. We can't give it any Oscars, and just nominate the best film of the fucking year. Do it. Yeah, I th I think you're right, and I think what 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 you've put your finger on is that while Barry Jenkins got some recognition for Moonlight, how many films didn't get any recognition or because didn't get much distribution or anything else? That a lot of indie films just it doesn't happen often enough. It's like you've got this middle range of films, the ones that find it very hard to find an audience actually these days. When you make a film for forty million dollars, that's like a prestige drama. Those are the films that find it absolutely hardest to actually make it because a lot of people are going, I don't know if that's going to be any good. Whereas the big movies that work, they deserve some recognition. It's hard to make movies that good at a, at a big budget. You know, look how many films were shit last year, like big blockbuster films were shit last year. That's why Top Gun Maverick and the Batman deserve recognition, you know? Same with Inception. It's like doing films with ideas in on a $200 million budget is hard. So when it's done well, give it recognition. Independent films deserve more, you know, more attention. So the Oscars seem to be kind of... 
are like still too interested in these kind of mid-range dramas that no one else fucking wants to watch anymore. Do you know what I mean? But that is changing. Yeah. That is changing. Everyone, everyone wants made a lot of money at the box office. So it's just like, like you say, they need to, they need to remember what the Oscars is for. It needs to be to promote to the audience that some really good films were made last year and to draw people's attention to them. One thing that's been suggested, uh, I'd be interested what your thoughts are on this, is to do away with gendered acting awards and just go for uni- unisex awards. What would you What would you think of that? Um, no, and uh, and why is because I think it gives everyone a fair crack of winning the award. Mm-hmm. So if you if you make it all one, then one person wins, as opposed to Michelle Yeoh. And Brendan Fraser winning that kind of thing. I think that's just gonna it's gonna make the award more exclusive. It's the same argument that they have for like the Brits or the Grammys that they just they make it like a non-binary award. It's just the best artist of the year, and I get it because it's more inclusive. But then you could have fifty nominations, couldn't you? For that one category, and one person wins. Whereas if you divide it up, then and I've got no issue with there being an award for you know, like an LGBTQ plus actor of the year or something like that, or something yeah. where it's a bit more inclusive because it means that everyone gets a fair representation, then fine. But I think the opposite of that would be blending it all together and then making yeah. the award even more exclusive. And, and the other the other problem is, is that the film industry skews very heavily towards men, despite what everybody says. And I think if they had yeah. unisex acting awards, that there would like be fewer women winning awards for their acting than there are now. I think that that is... That, 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 that would be the, the challenge the, the, they used the example of the Grammys actually as an example of this working because this year I think women did really well at the Grammys and it's like well look if you just take a chance eventually the women will get the recognition I don't think it, it quite translates to film I'll tell you for why I think women have already kind of won their battles in music there are lots of really popular singers who are female do you know what I mean and the reason for that is that to, for a woman to make a record, I know there's all sorts of challenges for women and everything, but for a woman to make a record, you just need to write 10 songs and fucking get out there. You can put your music out and, and, and gain a following more easily than I think you can go to a movie because the movie, movie industry is still controlled by men. The demographics, is, there's this self-fulfilling prophecy. Men control the, you know, who, who gets money to make films, right? They look at the audience figures and go, oh, look, it's, you know, our, our audience is all kind of you know, male, so let's make movies for men. And there's like 50% of the population going, guys, we'll go and watch a film if you fucking made one that we want to see, you know? And I think it's so, it's so much more closed off. And, and I'm, I'm not trying to diminish how hard women have, I'm, I no doubt, worked in the music industry to make that better. But if Beyonce was, was, was only an actress and trying to make her uh, uh, creativity through the film process, she's got to get through like 10 times as many people in committees to get that film out and make so, it costs so much more money to make that movie. I just think it's so much harder for women to fucking get a foot through the door and at least having acting awards for women, you go, oh shit, Kerry Condon, she's good. Even nominated, Kerry Condon goes, oh, she's good. What's she going to do next? I bet Kerry Condon gets like 10 job offers because of the awards that she's been nominated for and won for Banshees. Do you know what I mean? And I, I would be very hesitant to take that away. Having said that, I did have some thoughts on this. I wonder what you thought. 
The other thing that makes it work at the Grammys is that they have quite a, they they have actually have loads more awards. There's only four acting awards, and if you make them non-gendered, you only have two. But at the Grammys, they have loads of awards, right? They have best live performance, best album, best song, best uh, best country album, best dance album, best this, best that. Do you know what I mean? Best international. So, what if they had more acting awards and just made them non-gendered? Um. Yeah, I mean, when you come to when you go to the Grammys, it's best rap performance, best pop performance, best rock, best mm-hmm. you know, all sorts. Whereas it's just best actor. The Golden Globes do it where they go best actor in a drama, best actor in a comedy, best actor in a musical, best actor in a thriller, best actor in a horror, and you could diversify like that. But then the argument would be is that you're taking away the value of the Oscar. The whole point of the Oscar is that five people get nominated for that acting award one person wins and that five nominations come from hundreds if not thousands of potential films from that year because yeah i know what you mean do you take the exclusivity and the the prestige i don't particularly give a shit i just want more recognition for films and that that's what the oscars have become now you like we've said films don't win 13 oscars anymore they they mean they win a maximum of four sometimes if it's a really big year they win seven Mm -hmm. so they're obviously spreading them out because if you hear oscar winner for best fart then people will go and see that film and it generates more revenue for the industry so you could do that best horror best actor in a horror best actress in a horror you could do that and then those people are going to go and see those films but would they do that will they fuck yeah that's the thing so this is what i was thinking I, i i think you're right about needing to make them more exclusive and the thing with the golden globes it is interesting i'm not sure you should have genre based best best picture awards i think what they've done with the best picture thing is they have 10 nominees for Best Picture now and more kind of mainstream type films are starting to win, right? I think if Inception came out now, it would get a Best Picture nomination and be a good chance it would win, right? Compared to like yeah. 2010 where there were only five nominees and same with The Dark Knight, right? So I just think having more nominees for Best Picture probably solves that problem. And I think the genre thing is really interesting. I think the Golden Globes do it really badly because you have Best Drama, right? And then you have Best comedy or musical it's like well first of all comedy or musical why would you stick two genres together that are different genres that's fucking ridiculous right um but i think that is very interesting because i do think having some genre-based acting awards would just open things out a little bit not too many right but the thing is right comedy is a totally different skill set in terms of uh, of acting which is under recognized at award shows right they never seem to take comedy acting seriously. And yet, how many actors who have like Oscars for, for their drama would fucking fail miserably if they had to be in a comedy, right? So why yeah. not have an Oscar for best acting performance in a comedy? And why not, for example, have best acting performance in a horror movie? And the reason I'm throwing in a horror movie, right, is, first of all, women would be much more represented than men on that award, Right. Like Mia Goth and Jenna Ortega and Jamie Lee Curtis in, in previous years. And all, there's loads of actresses who've done really well in horror movies and, and aren't recognised. And maybe horror movies don't get recognised. But there's a couple of additional... And best musical, right? Best best acting performance in a musical because it's a set, a set of skills. Not everyone can sing and dance. And if you just opened it out a little bit, extra genres, and still have the main award. I mean, so maybe a comedy could win best comedy and best best picture. I don't care about that, Right. Or someone could win like best comedy performance and best you know best overall. So if you have a best overall actor, 
best overall acting performance, but also some acting performances for genre. You're only at, you're only adding maybe two or three awards, so you're not spreading it out so it's so it's completely non-exclusive. And I just think it would it would recognise. I think it would give women a better chance at recognition because there's some women who've been given great comedy performances as well, right? Like Alison Janney, Melissa McCarthy, people like that. It were really fucking funny. Kirsten Wig is really fucking funny. So I think it would give women like a, a genuine shot at awards that would be taken away by just having two two acting awards at the ceremony. I, I would actually go for this. I think you're right that they're unlikely to do it, but I think giving out genre-based awards would, I think that would be really good. And I also think it would do what we both want, which is to see more good films of any type get recognition at the Oscars instead of the same old, you know, look, you know, it's the old joke. Do you remember, like, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but David Mitchell was on... Um, doing uh, uh, Mock the Week where they do these little kind of short vignettes at the end and it's like things le- things people would or wouldn't say at, a, at, a, at an awards ceremony and he goes up and says I'd like to thank the people who made a movie for me to play a uh, a Nazi one-legged uh, you know this that and the other for making this award almost inevitable it's like there's a checklist that if you've got these things if you're a real life character and you have to put on a weird accent and you have to put on weight or you have to do this or you have to do that and and your character goes through these kind of traumatic events. You're you're just guaranteed an award, you know. And it's like that is so stale. And there was one year I think the only the only nominee for best actor that that and best actress who was playing a fictional character was Michael Keaton for Birdman, and everyone else was playing a real life character. And it's so obvious and stale. I think you could open it out if you did it. I mean, that's my little hobby horse. If you were going to do this. Um, but I don't think they will. I think they will keep that. I think they'll keep things the way they are. But I do think they could do with better, like multi-platform marketing of the Oscars. Because who gives a shit about? I don't care what viewing figures ABC get on a Sunday night for the show. I don't give a fuck. I do actually. I am interested in what good films came out this year. And if someone is nominated for a bunch of Oscars, it makes me go and see the film. And that is still worthwhile, if you ask me. I went off on one there, but that, that's what I, that's what I would do. <laughs> Um, so, you know, any other thoughts on, on 2023 Oscars and 2023 awards season? I mean, do you feel like things have opened out a bit? Do you, do you, do you feel like more films are getting recognition than they used to? Obviously, with a film like Everything Everywhere All at Once winning, then, yeah, is branching out to films that usually wouldn't get nominated. So it's a step in the right direction, and it was always going to be an odd year for the Oscars, and it's sort of transitioned a little bit. And that's good. Hopefully next year we start seeing films I actually deserve to win getting nominated. That would be nice. Yeah, and I think it's more there's more chance of it being a normal year, right? I mean I mean the previous year it was still a little bit COVID constrained, but you did you did see more what I'd call proper films out. But then the whole thing was overshadowed by Will Smith. This coming year, there's not gonna be like a oh shit, we hope the Oscars aren't like last year. And there is more likely to be more of the of the, of, of a wide range of films being shown. So maybe next year will be, you know, like you say, a bit more representative of what the future is going to be like for movies and awards, yeah? Yeah, I think so. Let's see. All right, Evan, well, thank you very much for listening. That's been our big conversation. We're going to hit you with some credits, and, and then we'll see you soon. That's all for this month's episode of Double Reel. Thanks for listening and for making it all the way to the end. Thanks also to my co-host, James Adamson. The podcast was edited in Audacity and hosted on Anchor FM. We are grateful for their continued support.
The music was Mistake the Getaway by Kevin MacLeod. Outside of Double Reel, you can find us both hosting a non-film related podcast, The Adamsons Versus. We are working on our next episode, The Adamsons Versus The BBC. So this is me, James Adamson, signing off, and... This is me, James Adamson, signing off. Our next episode will be our regular episode 36 next month. Keep an eye out for any special episodes we decide to do in future. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review and tell your friends. Until next time, stay safe, watch lots of films, and may your life be as awesome as you pretend it is on social media. Fat man caught me, it's TikTok.